Well, isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. Amen. Thank God for the songs. That song that was just sung. Aren't you glad for redeeming love? We are tonight what we are because of the grace of God. Nothing that we have in our own, our own merit, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And, uh, and I thank God tonight for the change that He's made. I'm so glad for the change He made in my own heart. You see, you don't know me. Oh, yes, you've known me for a couple of days. But you don't know the things that I got involved in as just a young person. And, uh, and I'm not talking about just a teenager. I'm talking about prior to that. I was headed down a wrong road. The devil already got a, had a hook in my jaw. The things that I was doing, uh, I would not even in any way want to express. Uh, I'd be embarrassed. But uh, I think of what I already had gotten involved in. And it wasn't because that I didn't have a good rearing. I told you about my mother in this meeting. I had a wonderful mother. But you know something? The enemy of our soul will do everything he can to get a hold of our children and our young people. He'll do everything he can. And, but I thank God for the amazing grace. On a Sunday night, our pastor, Sunday nights <clears throat> uh, years ago were evangelistic services. Our churches were full of a lot of sinners. And uh, our pastor preached an evangelistic message. And I sat where I shouldn't have sat. I was in the back of the church and uh, talking, and that's what we did. I didn't always sit back there, but that night I did. And, uh, but God, the Holy Ghost, knew where I was at and still spoke to me. Thank God. I didn't yield. I did not yield that night at, at the church, that is, but went home and tried to sleep. Could not sleep because of conviction and uh, I finally rolled out of bed, went over to my mother, said, Mother, I need you to go with me downstairs. She got downstairs in the old farmhouse and said, John, what do you want? I said, I want to get saved. That night, there in our family room, we didn't call it a family room in those days. It was called the long room. Way back there, we used to, the kitchen at that time, uh, the kitchen was moved out of there. We used to have a summer kitchen, okay? But in the wintertime, this was the kitchen and uh, it was just, that's where we spent most of our time. Our living room wasn't used very much. It was very, it was small. And as farm boys, you know, we just didn't use the living room very much. We were too active doing other things, but, um, the kitchen had already been moved out of this room. Now the, what had to be the summer kitchen has become the kitchen year round. And, uh, but in that, what we, I would call now the family room is where Jesus saved my soul. That was 55 years ago. And I thank God for the grace of God. I thank God for rescuing me. Have I needed God to deal with me since that? Thank God that He has. Thank God for His faithfulness. And you know, sometimes we feel like if the Lord deals with us about something in our walk with God that we've lost out, that's not necessarily so. I'm glad for the faithfulness of God. I'm glad for the fact that, that He, as our Heavenly Father, corrects us. My, uh, 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 my mother... Uh, I'd like to tell, I told you about last night about me being the baby of the family and all that good stuff, you know, and, uh, but my mother only ever gave me two whippings that I can remember. I'd like to tell you I didn't need them, <laughs> didn't need more, but that wasn't the case, but my mother gave me a couple, but my daddy, my daddy never whipped me one time, but my daddy gave me a tongue lashing one time that it was just as powerful as a whipping. And, um, uh, one night we were in revival, and I was supposed to go to the barn and get started with my chores, and I didn't go. I was the youngest of the family, and I was wanting to play football for, my, for myself. I played by myself. I could score a touchdown easily when I was playing by myself. And, uh, and I was just continuing to throw that football in the air and catch it and run to the, to the end of the yard. And my daddy said, it's time to go to the barn. And I just kept playing. Well, my daddy got behind me. He helped me to the barn with his foot. Okay. I thank God for the corrections of a father. And I thank God for the corrections of a heavenly father. And, and uh, God knows where we are, and God knows what we need. Thank God for the reproofs. Thank God for the corrections. He loves us, and He's trying to help us, and He wants us to make it to the city. And uh, I thank God for that tonight. Well, it's so good to see you. Trust you had a good day. And I'm sure you, most of you had a busy day. And, and I want you to know, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, uh, some evangelists and, you know, can get a little unkind, I think, to people if they get tired in the service. 
But you know what? When you've been out there all day and you come in for the evening and it's just sometimes get a little sleepy. I've been there. I've done that. And uh, uh, so I just want you to know I appreciate you being in the house of God. You had your work today. You had things you had to do. And, uh, but you've, you've laid aside that tonight. You've come to the house of God. Thank you so much for coming. I appreciate it. Tonight, I want you to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. <clears throat> it is so good to have Brother Morford back. And uh, it's good for me to be able to see him. I haven't seen him in a while. One of our preachers, one of our licensed men, I think, still. Still has a credential from us. And I send it to him every year. And, uh, but uh, so good to have you back, Brother Jeremy. 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, beginning with verse number 1, reading down through verse number 7. Would you stand, please, for the reading of God's Word? Beginning with verse 1. And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold, now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried and said, Alas, Master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place. And he cut down a stick, cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore said he, Take it up to thee. And he put out his hand, and he took it. Let's pray. We thank you tonight, Father for thy presence that we've sensed in the service. Lord, we could sing that song tonight, It Is Well With My Soul. It's one of my favorites, O oh God. And I thank you, Lord, for the witness of thy spirit that dwells within. Thank you, Lord. Father, we're asking that you will help us tonight as we endeavor to preach this message that we feel you have laid upon our heart. Help us to be able to uh, bring it forth clearly. And Father, may it be a help to all of us tonight, for we need your corrections, we need your reproofs, we need your help, and we're asking, oh God, that you will do it tonight, accomplish your purpose, and we'll praise thee in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I failed to mention, and I wanted to mention, thank you, Denise, for the good meal you brought into the parsonage tonight. Appreciate it very much. <clears throat> The text I would use is verse number five. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. Gehazi had deceived Naaman and sent his uh, master, said his master had changed his mind and wanted the gift that Naaman wanted to give to Elisha. Naaman brought the gifts back and put it into his chambers and thought that nobody would uh, know anything about it. But the prophet, uh, when he saw Gehazi, said, where did you go? And Gehazi said, I didn't go anywhere. The prophet said, yes, you did. He knew that he had gone and he pronounced the curse on Naaman and Naaman, uh, or on Gehazi rather, and uh, uh, Naaman's leprosy was uh, given to him and for the rest of his life. After this shakeup, the prophet came to Elisha. The prophets came to Elisha and said, The place in which we meet is too small. Let us build another place. And in this scripture, the word says that they said to Elisha, We really want you to go with us. And um, uh, in verse number three, he says, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. And um, the scripture says in verse two, Let us go unto Jordan and take thence every man a beam. Everyone got involved in this building project. 
This was the school of the prophets. And apparently had just, there been more prophets coming into this uh, uh, place and it was too small and they needed to enlarge. And, uh, but uh, every person got involved in this particular project. Because I stopped there. Isn't it wonderful to see that kind of involvement? I'd love to see that. There's a man that uh, I was told about in, in actually one of our churches uh, back home that uh, he serves on the board and, and they were discussing something, some kind of a project there at the church and he voted against it. He didn't feel like it needed to be done. But when the workday was called, he was the first one there to help out. I like that. I like to see that kind of cooperation. And as they came together to work, and while they were working and everybody was busy doing good, busy building, busy with legitimate things, the axe head came off in the process of falling a tree. And as we look at this lesson tonight, let's look at some things that we can learn from this particular uh, incident. First of all, when the axe head came off, he lost his power for service. As soon as the axe head fell into the water, he became helpless for effective work. Once he had power, but now it was gone. And it was gone rather suddenly and quite unexpectedly. It would have been useless for him to stand out there and continue to swing the axe head when the axe head had come off. His power for service was gone. There is something that every servant of Christ must have which corresponds to the axe head, and that is the blessed Holy Spirit. Without Him, our labor will only be a piece of useless formality and where the Spirit is grieved, their power for service is lost. And do you know, if we're not careful, it's easy for us to lose the power for service. We can get so involved. We can do things that causes God's Spirit to be grieved. And I think of the account of Samson. Samson, you know the story, I'm not going to go into it in detail at all, but Samson a Nazarite, a vow that was, uh, that was given to him, he was never to cut his hair, he was never to drink any strong drink, and Samson uh, did that for a while. But you know the story, there in the lap of Delilah, he gives away the secret, his hair is cut, he's shaven, and he wakes up, and this is what he says. I will, go out, I, I will go out as other times before. He said, I will shake myself. But he wist not that the Lord had departed from him. And in the process, Samson lost his power before he could break all the bands, everything they used to bind him. He could break them. He lost his sight. They bored out his eyes. He lost his liberty. He was grinding at the mill. He lost his dignity. They mocked him. And last of all, he lost his life. He quenched the spirit. Lord, help us in our walk with God. Somebody testified this evening about the fact that the enemy puts thoughts in our mind. The enemy does work on the minds of individuals. But God, help us. To keep the channels clear, to keep the channels clear, clean, lest there be some way that we grieve God and in the process we lose the axe head. We lose the power for service. What are some of the things that can cause us to lose our effectiveness today? One is neglecting our communion with God. Neglecting our communion with God. Now, I've been taken care of well with meals here so far this, this week. Yesterday was taken out to a good steakhouse and had a wonderful meal. Today, a meal was brought in. And I had stopped, Brother uh, Jeremy told me that I should stop on my way in and pick up some foods. On way, and I did that, and I have a little refrigerator in my room. By the way, thank you for the prophet's chamber. That's a nice little place. And it's very comfortable. Thank you so much. And... Um, 
Um, so I have a refrigerator there. I have a microwave. Uh, they told me the combination. I can get into your, um, your uh, uh, family. I'm about to call it a family life. What do you call it? Fellowship hall. And uh, I can get in there and I get in there and I fix my breakfast. I'm taken care of. I'm eating so that I can keep my health. And you're taking care of me too. Thank you. But what about when it comes to taking time with God? When we get busy, do you know one of the first things that happens? We brush aside our communion with God. We get busy. And it's, it's the time of praying and getting alone with God. I thank God for the bedtime prayers. I thank God for the family altar. I don't know if you still practice the family altar. It's a necessity in our homes. One of the reasons why our children are turning out like they are is because the families are not taking time to pray with their children. I know a pastor. I know a pastor who his wife said, my husband never takes time as a, as a family for us to have a family altar together. Now to me, that's pitiful. Okay, You need to take time to pray with your children. I told you last night about my mother. The earliest recollection that I have is praying with, or playing around, with, uh, around my mother while she was praying. I told you also I'm the youngest of the family. So when the others of the family were out holding down jobs, I was still in the growing process. And I got to be at home during the summer times with my mother on the farm. We would get done with the, with the barn work in the morning. All of the milking was done. We'd come in, we'd have our breakfast together. And the mother and I would stop and pray. And mother took time to pray. I thank God she taught me how to pray. It wasn't that she sat down and said, this you pray this way, but it was the example that was set. And let me tell you something, moms and dads. If we're going to save our children, we're going to have to take time to pray. That's right. And you're going to have to take time to pray with them. It was the times that my girl... My, my, my little girl, she, we'd, we'd have prayer together and she'd go to bed and we'd get in our, our bedroom and she'd say, I'm sorry for what I did today. Would you forgive me? She'd call from her bedroom to our bedroom. I'd say, Marie, Daddy forgives you. Maybe the second time she'd say, I'm sorry for what I did. I thank God for tenderness. I thank God for a conscious, uh, conscientious spirit, okay? But I thank God I had the privilege to pray with my little girl. Take time to pray with your children, moms and dads. Take time to pray with them, but take time alone with God. You say, Brother Zekman, I don't have time to get alone with God. I don't have time to pray. Let me tell you something. You need to take some time to pray. You need to take some time to pray. And I don't know how it works out into your schedule. I don't know how, I don't know what your schedules are. But let me tell you, and you can look at me and say, but Brother Zekman, you're a preacher. You don't have to punch a clock. Let me tell you something. <clears throat> I can avoid the place of prayer just as easily as you. I can. Do you know what I like to do? I like to work with my hands. That sounds crazy. But honestly, I like to work with my hands. Again, I grew up on the farm. We were taught to work. I love to work with my hands. I'm a woodworker. I'm, trying to, I'm going to be resurrecting my wood shop since I've retired from the school. I, I've got some new tools, and I'm excited about that. I just, uh, Brother Jeremy, I just haven't got them in place yet where they need to be because I haven't had time. I've been very busy. <clears throat> I needed to take time to pray when I was president of the school, I needed to take time to pray for God to direct my life. I was dealing with young people. Jimmy, you were one of my boys. I was dealing with young people. They were coming to us for advice. How could I give them advice if I hadn't been in contact with God? Are you following me? How could I stake the, take the pressures that I was facing if I couldn't be in contact with God and say, oh God, would you supply this need? Would you give me wisdom here? Help me as I deal with this boy. Help me as I deal with this girl. I had to take time to pray. You know, Bible colleges struggle financially. 
You have, a, you have a Christian day school. You know, one of the things that's impressed me since I've been here, you've requested prayer for that school, and I appreciate that. I mean that. I need that. I mean that. Your school needs the prayers continually. And thank you for requesting prayer. <clears throat> but you know what? We face, uh, schools like that face financial troubles. And I made some statement. I made this statement throughout most of my years at the school. And I know what it is to face thousands of dollars that had to be paid. Thousands. We went from a budget when I got there 28 years ago of three, around $300,000 a year. And when I left, our budget was, was uh, what well, was it, close to $2 million. But you know what I said? And I meant this. I said, Lord, if the financial struggles is what keeps me on my knees in prayer, then, Lord, let it happen because I don't want to become careless. Do you understand that? God allows some things to come our way, I believe, that drives us to our knees. Back in 1992, when Bill Clinton was elected as our president, somebody said, I don't know what else we can do, but he's just going to, all we can do is pray. Well, that's what God wants us to do anyhow. Prayer is where we receive strength. Prayer is where we see God answer and, and perform miracles. We preached about that on Tuesday night. But one of the things that we, one of the ways we get ourselves in the trouble is we don't take time to pray. And we're like the man out there, can I use this as a tree? And he's cutting down the tree. He's busy. He's doing something good. He's doing something legitimate. They're building a school for the prophets. And in the process, the axe head flies off. So he stands there and he just beats the tree. No, he doesn't. You would look at him and say, that is crazy. That's ridiculous. That's exactly right. But do you know something? That's the same thing that happens in our spiritual walk. We're not taking time to get alone with God. And the axe head comes off, but we still go through the motions. We still go through the form. You following me? We still go through the profession. But are we having our effectiveness? Are we effective? Is God ministering to us? Are we in the place? I'm going to tell you something. I must be in the place of prayer. I must be able to be ministered to by God. And so must you. So must you. But when we crowd God out of that part of our life, we make ourselves vulnerable to the insults from Satan. We make ourselves vulnerable to the temptations that Satan brings our way. And he gets us at a time when we're weakened. And when we're weakened, it's easy to give in. I just read the story just this week of an individual that during the time when he was, when he was, when he was alone and when he was weakened, he fell morally. When we're weakened, we become vulnerable you know what? We need to keep the axe head on. We need to be effective in falling the tree, okay? So therefore, we need to take time in communing with God. <clears throat> we can get ourselves into trouble and lose the axe head when we back on, up on God-given light. God speaks to us individually, and I thank God for that. God knows you, and God knows your weakness. Some of you will be tempted with some things, and other people would never be tempted by that at all, but you'll be tempted in some other way. And God knows exactly where that is. And then he puts his finger right on that spot and says, John Zeckman, here, you need to stop. Has he ever done that to you? Yeah. What happens when we override that? We get ourselves into trouble. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. And I'm not preaching against this particular apparatus, okay? This was for me. This goes back many years ago when my daughter was just a little girl. Just a little thing. 
Remember when the CBs became very popular way back there in the 70s? Man, everybody had to have a CB. And I wanted a CB. I did. Brother Jeremy, I thought if I had a CB and I would be out visiting and uh, if I was going to get home late, this before the cell phones ever were dreamed of. I could, get, I could call somebody that had a base and say, you call my wife and tell her I'm going to be late. I was rationalized all in this. But God spoke to me and said, I don't want you to get one. Now, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I borrowed some and used them when we made some trips. And out there on the open road, you hear a lot of talk, truckers talk. And what they talk about wasn't, wasn't good. I don't know what it's like today, but back then, I'm telling you what they were saying on there was not good. And I didn't want my little girl to hear that stuff. Okay? You're following me, aren't you? And, uh, pardon me, <clears throat> but I wanted a CB. I was pastoring, and I rationalized how I could use this for good, and I bought one. And I put one in my car. When I did that, something happened right in here. My preaching wasn't the same. My praying wasn't the same. I couldn't get through to God like I wanted to. And we'd be out there in the car. And we lived in a, in a, in a, a city. And, and uh, I'd be out in town and my family, my wife and my daughter was, was with me. And one of those truckers or somebody would say and make some, uh, a statement that should not have been aired. And I'd reach down and I'd turn it down, but I was too late. Then I would turn it back up. And then another statement across, came across and I, I'd turn it back down. But I was too late. And I went through that for, I don't know, maybe five, six weeks. I couldn't pray right. I couldn't preach right. Nobody else knew what was happening inside. Are you following me? Nobody else knew how God had spoke to me, and I overrode the check of the Spirit. An innocent CB. I mean, people had them. Droves of people had them. And I wanted it too. But after that time, whatever it was, four, five, six weeks, I thought, you know what? This is ridiculous. I can't preach. Maybe not that good anyhow, but I couldn't preach right. I couldn't pray right. I'm taking it out. And there in the garage, which was the basement of the parsonage, I removed that CB. When I did that, there was a load lifted off of me there was a cloud that was gone. My prayer was different. My preaching was different. Nobody else knew. I expressed it to my wife. But beyond that, nobody else knew what had taken place. I'm giving that illustration only to let you know what I did. I'm not talking you down if you have a CB, okay? Not at all. But that's what God spoke to me about. But you, have, you are individuals, and every one of us, have weaknesses, and God speaks to us and says, I don't want you to do that. But what about brother and so-so? He does it. Doesn't make any difference. Are you with me? Do you know what I was doing? I was cutting the tree down, but the axe head came off. I continued to hit the tree with the handle. Okay? I'm glad for the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know what it is in your life that God speaks to you about, but it doesn't make any difference whether the whole world does it. If God speaks to you, God means it for you. There's another thing that can cause us to lose this kind of power. Did you ever hear of somebody flying off the handle? Did you ever hear that? I'm not going to ask you if you ever saw it. You probably did. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. Isn't it terrible? You've seen them fly off the handle? Maybe it was you. I hope not. Let me tell you something. 
You're like that one that's trying to cut the tree down. And the axe head comes off. You fly off the handle. You're the one that's losing the power. You're the one that's losing the effectiveness. And you're the one that's going to lose your standing with God. You can't continue to do that, by the way. You know that? That's not right. You know, a pastor experiences some very interesting things sometimes. We had... uh, (laughs) Oh, Lord, help me. We had, we had some people in our church that uh, really had this problem. And uh, they had a daughter who was doing something she should not have been doing. It was very inappropriate. She was writing notes during the morning Sunday school and putting them to another, a man who was a married man. Now, this was a teenage girl writing to a married man, stuff, putting these notes in the songbook rack. For him to pick out. We learned of it. Well you know what I had to deal with that. And. uh, Called. This mother. And the grandma. Got involved in many things. More things than she should have got involved in. Okay. But grandma got involved. And uh, my wife and I talked about this. And said we must expose this so we invited the girl we invited her mother and then grandma and they all came to the parsonage we sat down in our large living room and we began to talk about the situation and we exposed what was going on and it made the mother mad we were just picking on her girl i'm I'm telling you the truth We were just picking on her girl. It wasn't that she wanted to know what her girl was doing, but we were just picking on her. She got up and she stormed out of our house. And as a good pastor and his wife, we went after her. And we tried to stop her. She out of the house, across the front porch of the parsonage, down the steps, and we were saying, listen, we need to talk about this. But I mean, we got down off the porch and, and, and my wife was just a little bit ahead of me and that lady turned and literally start beating down on my wife like this. Literally. And as the good husband that I was, I tried to get in between them and she beat down on me. That's not why I'm so short, by the way. Then she turned, she got into her car, she started it, and she put the pedal to the metal. She still had it in park, and I mean, she floored that engine. And when it came back down to an idle, it died. And she tried to start it, and the battery wouldn't turn it over. And there she sat. I said to my wife, listen, I'm going to get her husband. He lived on the south side of town. I'm going to go get her husband. I'm bringing him back. And I went, I left, sounds crazy, but I left my wife with that woman, okay? And I got her husband, and on the way back to the parsonage, we had a nice talk together. I said, I'm not putting up with this. When I got back, I couldn't believe it. That lady, her daughter, and grandma were all in the house with my wife and my daughter. They got the ice cream out and they were laughing and eating ice cream together. (laughs) I thought, I can't believe this. When they finally left, I said, honey, what in the world happened? She said, after you left, She said, this lady called me over to her car door and she said, Sister Zachman, do you think I'm sanctified? I'm telling you the truth. No, she wasn't even saved. You don't act like that. But you know something? We fly off the handle and we excuse it 
And, and you know, and we just say, well, that's just me. You're just going to have to put up with me. Do you know something? God knows how to deal with me. God knows how to deal with you. And you're out there swinging the axe handle. The head's already come off, but you're still going through the motions. Are you following me? Let me tell you something. We get ourselves into trouble when we lose the power. I've got to hurry. Because I've been preaching very long in this revival, longer than I normally preach. And you're just listening too slow, I think. It's something like that. Let me, let me stop here yet before I go to the next point. Another thing that will get us into real trouble, people, is bitterness. I'd like to say that everything that happens around the church has always been good. But I just told you a story that wasn't. And sometimes those that we've had confidence in have acted in ways that we didn't think they should, we allowed bitterness to get into our heart because of what they did to us or to one of our friends. And you know what the scripture says? There in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, it talks about the root of bitterness that, that defiles you and thereby many are defiled. Because we never keep it to ourselves. It's amazing around the church how quick we talk. It's amazing the things we share. Things that we probably shouldn't share. Things that nobody else needs to know about. But we just have a way of doing it. We just have to do it, you know. And that bitterness that's down inside will drive us. And it'll make other people, it'll affect other people. Do you know what? We'll be like the man, the axe head has come off and we're just beating the tree with our handle. Now that's a fact. Let me tell you something. I've been around the church a long time. We're not losing all of our people because of the standards. We're losing the people because of the actions. We're losing the people because of attitudes. We're losing the people because of what we say to each other and how we knife each other and how we cut down each other. Let me tell you something. These things ought not to be. It's not the world that's going to defeat the church. We defeat the church from within inside. I believe that. I've seen it. I'll tell you, it's time we turn that around. It's time that we change that. It's time that we get the axe head back on and we get to work. God wants to do something for us. But we're going to have to have the power of the Holy Spirit working within us. We're going to have to have the blessing of the Holy Ghost upon us. That's our need today. Thank God for those that have gotten saved. Thank God for that. But the problem is we're not seeing our people go into holiness. We're not seeing our people going to get sanctified and have the old nature of sin eradicated. There's where our problem is today. Oh, God, help us. To have the power of the blessed Holy Ghost. I must hurry. I notice he lost his power while he was working. He was busy. The moral of this is he didn't take time to stop and check it out. He didn't take time to stop and check. I've worked with, literally, with some tools where the, where the head was loose. So have you, I can tell by the nodding of your heads. That's not an uncomfortable feeling. And by the way, <laughs> I don't want to be standing around with somebody else is using it and that head's loose. What do we do? How many times have you taken, you stopped and you turned the handle upside down? Yeah, just like that. And you hit the handle on the ground or something else and drove that head down under that handle, but you never took the time to put the wedge in, right? You never took the time to fix it right, and then you go back and you hit again, and it's not long until it's loose, and you've got to do the same thing again. I'll tell you something, we've got to stop and check up on ourselves. David the psalmist said what? Search me, O God, and try me. 
See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We've got to stop and take inventory. And it's not for somebody else to take inventory of us because we don't appreciate when that happens. But we need to stop and get alone with God and say, Lord, would you turn the searchlight on me? My father-in-law, J.T. Carroll, I don't know if any of you older people would have ever heard of him. He was from the state of Arkansas. Traveled all over this country in evangelism. One time during his years of ministry, he went to one of his friends and he said, I want you to tell me the worst thing you know about me. His friend said, do you really mean that? He knew something was coming. He said, Jimmy, his name was James. He said, Jimmy, I'll tell you the worst thing I know about you. You can't talk long in a conversation until you're saying something negative about somebody else. My father looked at him and said, thank you. Thank you. And his prayer continually after that was, oh God, keep me sweet. Don't let me get critical. Don't let me get to that place that I'm constantly running somebody else down. Lord, would you keep me sweet? You and I need to stop and we need to check up. We need to make sure the axe head is on. We need to make sure that everything is right between us and God. And if the Lord speaks to us and says, you need to go back and make an apology, you need to go back and say, I'm sorry. Does a sanctified person ever say, I'm sorry? Thank God we do. A sanctified person has a good reverse gear, is able to back up and say, I'm sorry. But many are still swinging the axe handle, but the power is gone. There was a man who sat in my office back a few years ago. He was actually a very good friend of mine. He fell morally. I talked to him on the phone. He had come into our area, and I said, I want you to come. I want to talk with you. He came to my office and sat down. We sat there and we talked. I looked at him called him a name. I remember, he was a good friend. He was one of my best friends. He was no longer living in our area. He was living in another area. I said, would you tell me how this happened? And it wasn't a one-time affair. It went on for years. And he covered it up and preached while he was involved. Came and held a revival for me at the school while he was involved, had no idea about it. I said, would you tell me how this happened? He looked at me and he said, John. He said, yes. He said, I just got careless. I just got careless. Friend, no one here is a match for the devil tonight. No one. No matter how old or how young, you're not a match for the devil we can't afford to get careless. We better do more than just stomp the handle on the ground and get the axe head to, you know, get saved a little better on the handle. We better fix it. Check up on ourselves and make sure that what we're doing, we're doing right. I must hurry, come to a close. When it happened... <clears throat> When the axe head came off, he cried out and said, Alas! Alas! As soon as the axe head disappeared, he felt that further effort was useless. So he stopped right then and began to get things right again. Jesus did not say that we could not fall. But what did he tell us? Through the writings of John. In 1 John 2, 1. He said, my, John said, My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. What do we do? We stop. We stop. We go to God. Lord, would you forgive me? Would you help me?
Thank God that we have an advocate with the Father who maketh, maketh intercession for us. And he appealed to the master. He said, alas, master, to whom else can we go tonight? He is. Peter said, thou dost have the words of life. And then we tell him plainly what we did. And we don't push the blame off on somebody else. Lord, it's me. It's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. But I want you to get this in closing. <laughs> the prophet said, where did you lose it? Where did you lose it? And the man told him where it was. And do you know, you know too where it happened. Again, because of the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit. And I saw something here today in preparing for tonight that I never saw before. The scripture says that the prophet took a stick. He cut a stick. He cut down a stick. And what did he do? He cast it into the water. Now, would you tell me what a stick would do to cause a piece of iron to float? Nothing. You're right, Gary. Not a thing. It would do nothing. Gravity would keep the weight of that iron axe head on the bottom. I believe that stick is a representative of the cross. I'm glad for the cross. Thank God. Could I say that is cast into the water? And the scripture says that the iron floated. It did swim. Because of Jesus on the cross, I'm glad, thank God, miracles still take place. Glory to God. I'm glad He's the miracle-working God through the cross of Calvary. It was there. He looked at the multitude and what did He say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But the prophet did not reach out and get it. The prophet told the man who was swinging the axe. He said, you reach out and get it. Jesus died on the cross. The death on the cross in itself is not the answer. But we must reach out and claim the victory because of what he has done. We must reach out and get it right where we lost it. We must reach out. Jesus Christ will make it swim. He gave his life. Thank God for the cross tonight. He got it just exactly where he lost it. And you'll do it as well. Thank God. Thank God. Tonight, again, I preach long. But I'm, preach, I'm talking to you right out of my heart. Because I know this is where many people are living. In fact, if any one of us, all of us, if we're not careful, through our busyness, our carelessness, our lack of communion with God, walking behind light, we can be trying to fall the tree and we'll lose the power. But I'm glad that that doesn't need to be the end of the story. Thank God. Because of the cross, we can reach out and claim the miracle. Glory be to God. Let's stand. Our Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your concern. Thank you, Jesus, that you have given your life for every individual here tonight. You suffer without the gate that you might sanctify your people, and I thank you. Lord, you made it possible for us to walk with you daily, and you also told us through the writings of John that if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now tonight, O oh God, 
we've delivered our soul. And I pray that Thou will take this message and I pray that it will work in the hearts of each one. You know who tonight needed this truth. And I pray that you'll work, O God. Don't let us go on swinging the handle without the axe head. But God, help us, I pray, to have that power and have that effectiveness, O God. We're trusting you in Jesus' name. Before we go tonight, I just feel like I want to give you an opportunity. If God the Holy Spirit has spoken to you this evening, and he's put his finger on something in your life and said, right here is what's happened. He knows exactly where the sore spot is. And he's just like a doctor who's able to poke around and, oh, that's it right there. And God, the Holy Spirit, may be doing that tonight. And I want to give you an opportunity. This altar's always open, always open. If you want to pray tonight, we're here to pray with you. God wants to meet your need. And by the way, there's nothing that's any more important than taking care of eternal business. Nothing. And God, the Holy Spirit, has spoken to you tonight. Why don't you come? Let's pray. Don't put it off to tomorrow night. Don't put it off to Saturday or Sunday. Let God, the Holy Spirit, come and meet the need of your heart. Is there anybody like that tonight? God has spoken. God has pulled back the covers. He's exposed something in your own life. Maybe nothing at all that I said, but God, in the way that He has dealt with you, has said, right here is your problem. You'd like to come and pray tonight? I'm here to pray with you. I want to pray with you. Come. God is faithful, and He wants to do a work in your heart. Praise God. He wants to correct that which has taken place. He wants you to have that power again. He wants you to be effective again. And He wants to give you victory. Would you come? Would you come? I want to pray with you. I believe God's speaking. I really do. Anyone tonight? Father, let this message remain in our heart. Don't let us get away from it, O oh God. I pray that you'll help us tonight before we pillow our head in sleep. That individual, Lord, can even settle the issue at home. If, Lord, wherever, because I believe your spirit is faithful to us. Or through the day tomorrow. But, Lord, I pray that you'll help them to take care of it. Don't let them put it off. Don't let them override the check of the Spirit. Oh, God, help them, I pray, to be obedient. Be with us as we go tonight, Father. Keep your hand upon us and bring us back for the rally tomorrow night. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're a great crowd to preach to. You're dismissed. <clears throat>